What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with advice toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming off a impressive 139 to 133 victory over the San Antonio Spurs uh, in overtime uh, with Karis Levert, uh, top scoring 26 points, four rebounds, nine assists. Miles Turnus, 18 points, seven rebounds, four blocks, a key block down the stretch. Um, and some really good gameplay by the likes of TJ McConnell, Aaron Holiday, uh, Edmund Sumner, a really uh, good little spurt by Kellen Martin as well. Uh, an impressive game, a lot of slash and kick, uh, 72 points in the paint which I want to call out is uh, I went back the last couple of months and I can't find a game that we exceeded 70 points. A couple of times we exceeded 60. So an impressive victory, Alex. I'll start with you. Um, your initial thoughts on the game against San Antonio. I think a couple of things was one, you can tell they wanted that win. Yeah. I mean, they came out with way more energy, uh, way more passion, if you will. You know, when TJ McConnell hit that shot, everyone got up and I think it was, Tony East, who tweeted, you know, just Brissett. He didn't play today, but he was the guy every single time a Pacers player made a good play, he was up, he was cheering. And if you remember Levert post-game against the Hornets, he was talking. He said, no one's cheering for teammates. No one's uh, happy when they make good plays. So just having that guy on the bench to bring that energy is a a massive thing. And the bench was fantastic. You know, you touched on it. Martin hit three threes. Goga has been amazing. So I know you're happy about that, Adam. He's been very good this past month. And then, uh, yeah, it was good to see guys like Aaron play well. Edmund continues to ball out. So I think it was just an all round effort with your, with your top guys out. It was more balanced today than we normally see from the paces. And effort, I think is the key word, Justin, 19 fast break points to zero, I think is another Mm -hmm. key stat I want to point out. What were your takeaways from the win? Yeah, very, very similar to Alex. Um, it was good to see the energy from the bench. And I think, like, again, you mentioned, Alex, great point with all the comments yesterday. I think that must have filtered into the locker room, I suppose, because I haven't seen the Pacers bench react like that in weeks or months. Um, even at the end when Miles Turner got that kind of steal to win the game, I looked at Nate Bjorkren and he fist pumped. He was happy. You could tell he wanted a win. Um, maybe the pressure's mounting him on it mounting on him a bit, but um, yeah, boy, the Pacers definitely wanted that win. And, you know, to get that win without, yeah, like you mentioned, Adam, Brogdon, Sabonis, Lamb, TJ Warren on a back-to-back as well, back-to-back overtime game. That's tough. That's a tough win. It's gritty. Um, But yeah, hopefully there's some positives we can draw from it and maybe get on a little winning streak. It was interesting also to see, I think my, one of my biggest takeaways was that slash and kick game that they chose to play, particularly with Levert sort of prodding and finding teammates. Obviously, he had nine assists. Um, you know, we had some, had some big threes hit off the bench and it was a really different style of gameplay. We didn't funnel everything, obviously, because Sabonis was out. We couldn't funnel everything through Sabonis. Brogdon was out. We couldn't have him dominate the ball on the perimeter. So... When you take away the guys that probably touch the ball more than anyone else, um, that forces everyone else to kind of do it by committee and forces everyone else to share the ball. And when everyone shares the ball, as you know, if you've ever played basketball, you know that when you share the ball, your team is a little happier. Your team is a little more productive. Everyone's sort of where they need to be because they know that there's a chance they're going to get the ball rather than a couple of guys dominating the ball the entire game. Alex, do you think there's something to the fact that 
there wasn't a ball dominant player on the court and there was a bit more opportunity to share the ball around. Well, it's just uh, worth noting, isn't it? That post-game comment today from, from Levert talking yeah. about how he, he said there was more spacing today, didn't he? So yeah, um, it's definitely a massive part of the game and to have nine assists, I mean, Levert's playmaking has been, you know, obviously he struggled shooting the ball since coming to the Pacers, but his playmaking has been better than I ever could have imagined. So, you know, you saw him have assists. Uh, McConnell have almost like eight assists, I think, off the bench. So, yeah, like you said, the the ball movement was way better today. The the playmaking was elite and sharing the rock. And honestly, I think obviously this ties into conversations we've been having over the last couple of months is how much longevity do you have with Tabonis? Because every time we seem to play one of them, they play really well and we win, right? But when they're both on the court together, they struggle and there's less ball movement. As you said, Adam, you know, when uh, Brogdon and Domas are on the floor, we become predictable, right? It's just pick and roll, pick and roll, post up, post yeah. up. So, I mean, I'll, I'll leave that to you guys. I don't know what you think about that, Justin. Just the KP watching this today and the bubble last year with Warren playing well at the four, how much do you think that weighs on him going forward, thinking about the future for Tabonis? Yeah, it's the biggest concern with the roster. I know Adam's got strong opinions on it as well. I, I was late to the party. Um, I was like, well, Sabonis is our best player. You can't trade him. But um, it's getting more and more to the fact. And this just isn't, you know, it's just not off today because they beat the Spurs without Sabonis. It, it goes much deeper than that. And I think all Pacer fans know that. Um, yeah, the space, I mean, yeah, Levert's comment, it might not be a dig at Sabonis, but there's, there's some truth behind it. And um, there's a reason he said it. Players are very smart with their post-game comments. They bring up stuff that want to be echoed to the fan base and to the boss in Kevin Pritchard. So, yeah, I think going into the off-season, will Sabonis and Turner be on the paces? Look, they kind of tried to trade Turner last season. Didn't didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of the fact. I'd, I'd rather trade Sabonis now than Turner. Um, again, I mentioned to you guys, I'll bring it up. I know it's a bit silly, but... His Instagram throughout the game, you know, he's, he's watching his Gonzaga team and in the other rooms, the Pacers. I, I hated that. I don't care what that makes me sound like. A um, few Pacer fans might disagree there, but I just, that's not a good look. You're meant to be the all star of your team and you got the bloody Pacers on in the next room. What, what do you think, Adam? Uh, you're supposed to be the leader, uh, one of the leaders of this team. You're being paid, you know, handsomely. You've made all star teams. You're the leading scorer, you're the leading rebounder. I mean, the investment in the success of the team for me is obviously um, significant. And the fact that the team came out yesterday and said that they don't support each other. And, you know, you saw today that the more they shared the ball, the more they were able to get, you know, uh, shots for each other, um, put each other in positions to win. Like, you know, it was, it was nice to watch a game where no one was having a crack at the refs and we got to the line plenty. We got to the line 26 times to San Antonio's 32. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't stop us from getting fouls. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think at the moment, uh, uh, look, it's not just a bonus for me. I think the pressure is also on Malcolm Brogdon. We have to talk about Malcolm Brogdon um, as a leader of this team as well. Those are the two guys that offensively lead this team. Turner's clearly the leader on defense. And, Let's, let's be frank, we suck when he's not on the floor defensively. We, we are terrible. We cannot afford to lose Miles Turner because our defense turns into a G League defense without him on the floor. Um, but offensively, Domas and Malcolm are the leaders of this team. They're the ones that should score the most. They're the ones that should get the teammates involved the most. 
Um, but the fact that, you know, the team were able to, to have better spacing, to move the ball better, says to me that those guys need to be a little bit more unselfish, buy into the fact that other players can create, that Levert can create, that, you know, other players can be open on the perimeter, try and, you know, get everyone else involved. It's incumbent upon them to cheer on their teammates, to celebrate the success of their teammates. And um, when they come back to this team healthy, uh, I want to see smiles on their faces. I want to see some real support happening from those players. I mean, as I say, I've got pretty strong thoughts on, uh, the future of Domas Sabonis on this team. I think it is in the Pacers' best interest to trade him this offseason. I'll be really frank about that, um, mostly because of the value that you can get for Domas and the fact that he's got another three years after this season on his contract. He's an extremely attractive piece to other teams, and I think he'll get you the biggest return, and he won't compromise your defense. Uh, you can. So what, what, do you, what do you want, Adam? Do you want Sabonis moved for future young players or you want an impact player right now for him? I want an impact player for him right now. I mean, if I can get a Pascal Siakam for a Toronto that need a center, then I, I would try and do that deal. Uh, the only issue is that Siakam makes 30 million and Sabonis play, makes 18. So you'd need to throw in Jeremy Lamb or something of that nature in there. Plus Toronto rates Siakam really highly as well. They should, but um, you know, two-time all-star, you, you're bound to get something for him. I want to see a guy that's versatile. I've said it a million times on this podcast, a guy that can defend Simmons, Giannis, Siakam, Tatum, those guys, because those are the guys we're going to have to stop in the East if we're going to be successful as a team. If we do end up poorly this season, Alex, and we get a lottery pick and we get a good injection of young talent in the team, and we get that stretch four, that defensive four that can guard those guys, then I really think we can bounce back next season into a really good team. What do you think? Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And I just, you know, again, it was alarming today to see Rudy Gay, who Spurs fans have hated all season long. He had, what, like 10 points in the fourth quarter, I think, and no one could stay in front of him. I mean, we're talking about uh, an old Rudy Gay. This is not Memphis Grizzlies or Raptors Rudy Gay, so... You know, uh, every game, there's a new perimeter player, whether it's a small forward or power forward, you know, that's 6'8", 6'9", who just oh, blows by everyone. Um, yeah, and no one can stay in front of any, anyone on the perimeter. So I think that's the, the number one thing for the pace is that you have to get someone who can defend those guys, um, even if it's a bench player. Like, literally, I said, you know, we've been uh, rooting for, for Rondé, who signed with the Trailblazers the other day. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, he's not going to stop the guys that you named before, but... We just need somebody who can defend at a, a better level on the perimeter because right now, Miles and Justin Holiday are probably the only two yep. who I can say every night play. Oh, and Sumner as well. I'll give Sumner are the three guys who play elite defense every night. But do you know what Sumner has that Sabonis doesn't on defense? Effort. I mean, mm. you've just got to see like uh, all NBA people say that defense is is mostly effort and, you know, 80% effort, 20% scheme slash coaching. And Dan Burke is no longer on this team, but Domas was coached by Dan Burke the last three seasons. He should have retained some of that information and been able to apply that to his defense. So the fact that we get torched whenever Domas is the center on the floor defensively tells me that he's not trying hard enough on defense. Sorry. Like that's, that's the stark reality of the situation. Either he doesn't have the capacity to be a good defender or he's not putting out forward enough effort because he is expelling too much effort on the offensive end. And that's just, that just means that we need to get more people involved offensively. So I think for me, 
I don't see a future with Domas at centre unless we want to give up 130 points a game um, and try and score 135. Um, but even then, I just don't see us winning a title with him at centre. I don't see us going in deep in the playoffs with him at centre unless you're going to put, you know, the next Thaddeus Young next to him at power forward who can sort of guard anyone, defend anyone. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. It seems like all three of us are on the same kind of page with everything. I, I'd still be shocked if we trade Domas, though. Like, I just can't see it happening. It'd, it'd take big balls of Pritchard to trade his only two-time all-star on the team and, frankly, you know, best player for for him to come out and say, no, we'd rather Miles Turner than you. Essentially, that's what he would be saying. Um, I just can't see it happening. Um, although I, something has to give with the starting lineup. You know, we've you know got Levert for Oladipo. That was the big move we had to make. You know, Oladipo, that, that was the number one concern. But now it's to the big man. And, you know, what's happening with the three-headed monster with Goga, Sabonis and Miles. Something has to give here. Um, I'm really worried if we do trade Sabonis, how our rebounding numbers are going to be. But then on the flip side, I'm really worried about our defense if we trade Miles Turner. So it's it's kind of a catch-22, pick-your-own-poison type thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm starting to believe, you know, Levert's comments mean something, you know. Is it is it maybe better if we look what we can get for Sabonis in the offseason. I'm not too sure, but um, it's going to be interesting. I, I, my biggest thing is we've heard and we've been biggest advocates of it on the podcast, preach patience. The patience is wearing thin a bit. I don't care how many injuries you get. We've heard this for years. We've got swept in five straight years in the playoffs or something ridiculous. It's, it's go time now. Something has, something has to give. Okay. So Miles is not a great rebounder. Let's agree on that. So, the only other team in the conference I can really sort of make a comparison with is Milwaukee because they're running Lopez at, at center. He hits threes. He doesn't rebound well. He blocks some shots. He doesn't block shots as well as Miles. Who they have beside him, they've got Giannis, who's, you know, an otherworldly talent. That's, I mean, I'm not saying that we should try and trade for Giannis. That's impossible. But what I am saying is that you need an athletic power forward who can defend and rebound. Uh, and I, I just... I don't necessarily think that that position in particular, you need to have an otherworldly offensive player. I think with the way that the game's played right now, you can have plenty of creators on the perimeter and you see that teams are doing that. You see that Boston's doing that. You see that the Nets are doing that. Um, You know, Toronto did that for a title. Um, You can have perimeter players creating for each other and creating for the big to stretch out. And at the moment, we've sort of zagged when other teams have zigged and we thought it was going to work. And I don't think it has. And it hasn't. No, no, it hasn't. Um, we, we, we had Pritchard on the podcast and remember he was saying, um, you know, teams have to match up against us. He was like, you know, we're big. They're going to match up against us. He said that on our podcast and it hasn't worked out. I mean, we're just getting beat by teams. They're, look at Westbrook's stat line he put up the other day against us. You know, never been done in history. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, let's not let this Spurs win sugarcoat the issues we have. Um, there's a lot of issues with this team. I don't want to make a playing tournament. I'll put the poll up on um, Pacers Twitter. What do you want the outcome to be in the Pacers season? About 80% said lottery. So that's your fan base telling the organization, hey, we want losses. Yeah. <laughs> we want to build for the future. We are sick of, you know, this eighth and ninth and getting swept in the first round. Let's build towards the future. 
So the fan base want it. I don't know why we don't do it. I, 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 I'm. Why don't we shut Sabonis and Brogdon down the rest of the season? They're injured every second game. Like, shut them down. Let the young guys play. Let Levert take over as the leader of the team. And let's build towards the future. I, I don't know, Alex. Am I wrong? No, I'm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And it's funny to see the the results of that poll because I feel like we post that or something similar to that almost every week. And it changes, right? We won four or five like a couple of weeks ago and everyone said, oh, you know, we can get the four seed. Now mm-hmm. we're saying, no, 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 we want to get a top 10 pick. So <laughs> I think that's the, the funny part of this season. But yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think we all agree on that one. Um, uh, the Pacers lottery odds, let's be honest, if we do, we'll probably somehow manage to get the 14th or some something like that, knowing the Pacers. But <laughs> yeah, the, a top 10 pick would just do so much. And then to come back healthy, which I know we say every single season, but... Uh, if we can get Warren back out there with everyone else and a top 10 pick, I think that could be really I mean, good. And, and a na- just on that as well, sorry to cut you off there, but just a name, Jeremy Grant. How, I think he would be the perfect player. And Adam, I know you would love to have him on the paces as well. So I feel like he would be the the prototypical power forward to, to slot next to Miles. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I mean, you know, I think you also have to look at the center rotation for this team. And, and as much as I love Goga, I've got his jersey you can't really have Miles backed up by another guy who kind of plays similarly to Miles, who stretches out, who gets block shots, who doesn't rebound, you know, to a, you know, elite level. The last few games he's rebounded really well, but I just can't see how you can continue to have a guy off your bench, your first big off your bench, not being able to rebound to an elite level. You you effectively need to go out and pay for rebounding off the bench if you're going to start Miles because, you need to have a guy who you can rely on to go in there and just gobble, gobble up rebounds. And, you know, we had Alizé Johnson. Uh, that didn't work out. Um, we had, obviously, rebound problems when we started Miles and Thaddeus because um, Thad gets a few rebounds, but, you know, probably six or seven a game, whereas uh, Miles probably only gets about six as well. Um, you really need to combine for about, you know, 18 to 20 rebounds for your front court to be effective and... With Miles getting, you know, seven, um, we need a guy that can rebound to an elite level, but also defend to an elite level. That's that's the weird thing about Tomas in that he gets all these rebounds, but yet can't defend. You usually have, you know, one going hand in hand with the other, but it uh, doesn't work out that way. Um, Justin, I, I just, uh, I'm seeing more holes in this roster in the way that the roster is constructed. And I, I just, something's got to give. And this season, the end of this season is probably going to be that time. Yeah, I, I think it's time. I mean, we've, we've spoke for years kind of now. It seems like it's gone so quick, but the Domas and Turner experiment. Last year, I think they'd be, they were probably a bit too quick if they pulled the trigger on it. You didn't see the best of it. Um, now we've, we've seen it. We, we know what it is. It's not going to work. Um, so I'm fine with them pulling the trigger, I guess, either way. Um, I'm just sitting here going, you know what? I don't want to sit here in two months after getting swept or losing 4-1 and go, oh, that's another year in the books. Like, yeah. And we'll get the 17th pick. Like, what's, what's the point? Well, I'd love to have KP on and go, mate, like, what's your goal for the rest of the year? Because um, we're not going to get home court. We're just not. I don't care how close we are. Two or three games behind, we're not going to get home court. We are not good enough. Um we might get that playing tournament, but I'm just sick of getting swept. If if we play Brooklyn or Milwaukee, we've all said 4-1 at best. And what was the point in that season? When Pritchard's going to have his end-of-season press conference and say, yeah, 
We had struggles with injury. Um, Nate's first year as coach. We, we don't want to hear, like, preaching patience has just gone long enough with me. I don't know if it's because I've been a fan too long, but um, I just want to see some goal to win a championship within a three- to five-year period. And right now, I don't see it, Alex. Nah, you see – I know this one's going to anger you, anger you, but um, what's the, the quote that KP gives? It's a tough out, yeah? Always oh. says they, they want to be a tough out. That's yeah. the number one thing, the, the number one pet peeve for us. Is it that why? What what is the point? Why should that be good enough? You know, we were close, what, 2014? We were a couple games away from the NBA finals. That's not that long ago. So I mean, this franchise is capable of building a roster that can get that far. But yeah, obviously, as you guys alluded to, something's got to give. Because right now being a tough out's not good enough. And yeah, as you said, Justin, I don't want to be the eighth seed and watch us get swept by Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Harden. That's just what is the point in that? It's just no fun at all. No, it's, um, it seems to be the same story every year. And I think we we had a lot of high hopes for this season. And obviously, TJ Warren's absence hasn't helped that. I mean, losing a 20-point-per-game scorer can't be under, understated in terms of its impact to particularly your offense. But TJ Warren isn't known as a great defender. And I think, you know, we really struggled in, on, on D at different parts of this year, particularly when Miles has left the floor, as I said. So... I don't think TJ Warren coming back would make a significant difference to this team. I don't think we'd be over 500 if we had TJ Warren, for example. We'd probably be hovering around 500. We'd be slightly better, but, you know, we wouldn't be, you know, third or fourth in the East like we were last year. So this team's been good for the past, you know, couple of seasons or leading into this season. And there's just a significant difference in, in output and it's clearly up to this game it was impacting the the roster um players were getting frustrated not supporting each other that's on the coaching staff i mean it was good to see the team turn that corner today um it'd be interesting to see if that maintains when domas and malcolm come back um but i really feel like with the exception of lavert pretty much the next eight weeks Justin, every single starter aside, aside from Levert is on notice uh, as a potential uh, trade this summer. Uh, if you don't prove your worth to this team or if you um, don't buy in to what this team's trying to do um, or if you prove that you're not going to be a good fit, then I feel like you're gone. Mm, I agree. And that's... I feel like, yeah, apart from Levert, like I said, everyone's on the block. I'd still be shocked if Brogdon or Sabonis get traded. I think that'd be a real wow moment, like Pritchard's kind of swinging for the fences or he's going to look into rebuilding a bit. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't like when a sporting team is in no man's land. What Are you building towards the future? Are you rebuilding? Are you contending? What are you actually doing? With the paces, I can't answer that right now. I'm watching games going... Do I hope they win? Do I hope they lose to get a better pick? What am I actually following here? You know, it, it's tough as a fan. I don't, I'm not, back in 2014, 15, I was in, you know, I want them to win every game, get home court, get the number one seed to beat Miami in the playoffs. That was hardcore. Jim O'Brien days, I'm hoping Danny Granger scores 40 and they lose. That was the perfect outcome. <laughs> now, what am I hoping for? I don't know. Like, they win today. It was a great win, but is it going to do us any benefit in the long run? Probably not. As as all uh, all of our dads have probably said somewhere along the line, a good old Australian saying, they don't know whether they're coming or going. 
Like mm. they really don't know whether they're going up, whether they're going down or what the plan is for this roster. And I think leading into this season, we had high hopes of a home playoff series and a, at least a winning playoff series, if not two winning playoff series in a conference finals berth. That was, that was par for us. That was a pass mark, but we're nowhere near that where, you know, and if we're nowhere near that, as you said, there's no point finishing seventh or eighth. I understand there's a 30 team league and you can't win the title every year, but if you're not going to finish in the top four teams, if you're not going to make the conference finals or not a significant chance at making the conference finals, then particularly this season when you're not even selling that many tickets, like if there has never been a better time to get a lottery pick, ultimately you get a lottery pick you make a big trade this summer. You maybe retool the roster. You know, you you will sell tickets for next season because everyone in the states has FOMO right now. Everyone wants to get back to normalcy. Everyone wants to get back to live sport. Um, you will sell tickets next season, no doubt. But this season, you always talk about revenue, you talk about eye, eyeballs and ticket sales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just I just don't see the downside, Alex, in losing for one season. Just, you know, if, if all you're worried about is tickets and sales and et cetera, and you're not even selling tickets really, aside from a few thousand, yeah. where's, what's the point in trying to eke out an eight seed? Yeah, we've said it. This is the year to do it, isn't it? And that's why I laugh when, you know, I saw people saying the Magic lost the trade deadline. I'm like, no. I think, they, I think they were, they were winners because they finally said, yeah, you know what? We're going to go in one direction. We're, we're sick of being... Uh, first round team they were just like us the magic used to make the oh sorry the magic were making the first round every year but um they decided that they're going to blow it up and go all in on the future and i respect the hell out of them for that and i respect that front office um you know they're a medium market team so they're similar to the paces in that stance as well so i think you have to go one way or the other uh you can't just be a middle of the pack team which is what we are at this point uh, do I think they're going to blow it up? No chance. <laughs> the, let's be honest, the Pacers are not going to do that. But um, if it continues to trend this way, then maybe you should go the same path as Orlando. I, I, really I just know. think they've – I don't think they'll ever do it because they will – obviously, history tells us they won't, but they don't believe in the draft. They don't That's believe yeah. in investing their whole future in the draft. They never have, never will. And that that I don't agree with. You know, teams – look at Philly. They got good through the draft with Embiid and Simmons – you know, teams rebuild through the draft. Pacers will not do that. They'd rather just trade expiring deals, get a maybe younger player on a cheaper deal, um, get Diamond in the roughs. That's what they do, and I don't agree with it. I feel like you need to build through the draft. I'd love to get a prospect, you know, Cade Cunningham or something. I know he's going to be number one pick, but it's like someone like that. To, oh, hey, we, we might have a future with a young player now. Look, the last couple of lottery picks we've had have been Turner and Paul George. Like, the proofs in the worked pudding. out pretty well. When we pick in the lottery, we're picking guys that stick around for five, six, seven seasons and make their mark and outplay their their draft position. If you did a redraft of that 2010 draft, Paul George would be a top three pick. If you did a redraft of the 2015 draft, then Miles Turner would be what you know a, a top five pick potentially in that draft club. Probably. Like you know. We, we have proven that we can outkick our coverage in terms of draft picks in the lottery. Yeah. Um, don't get us in the 20s, though, because we'll pick some <laughs> random white guy who'll suck for four, five years. So, you know, <laughs> like, I just don't understand the point of continuing 
this process. I mean, there's a few guys whose time is is done with Indiana. I think um, Doug McDermott's going to get paid somewhere else. Uh, Aaron Holiday's going to get traded somewhere else. TJ McConnell, I can see them paying him to stick around because he's basically, I would say he's a locker room leader on this team. I would say he's the locker room leader on this team. He certainly appears to be the guy that gets everyone else involved and tries to impart as much positivity on this team as anyone. And, you know, I don't see that from the other leaders on this team. I don't see that from Malcolm. I don't see that from Domas. I don't see Domas putting his arm around a young player and saying, you got to keep shooting and showing that confidence. I don't see Malcolm doing that, but I see TJ McConnell doing it every single time out. He's going to a player and he is imparting some positivity on them. He's, you know, encouraging them. He's bringing them along the journey, which is what leaders do. So I just, we need more leaders on this team. We need more positive leaders on this team. And at the moment, I just don't see that on this roster. I mean, Miles is a trier. Miles tries his guts out every time. You can't question his effort. When he gets angry, he plays better, as you said previously, Justin. Um, I don't think he has the experience or the the you know personality to really sort of put his arms around guys and and you know impart knowledge and wisdom on them because he's still trying to find his own way and still trying to find to get to the peak of his own career. But TJ McConnell is a guy who's just completely confident in who he is and what he does. Um, and you know he's the type of guy you need to keep on your team for as long as humanly possible because he'll lift everyone up around them. Um, but Alex, I don't really see any other leaders on this team as such. No, it seems like. TJ's the the guy and that post game uh, with JJ he had today I thought was telling because he was talking about how it was good to see that energy come back and he was so happy you know he didn't talk about himself he wasn't making that about himself he was talking about uh, Keelan who's been on the bench all season long he could have just hung his head and said no I don't want to be here or whatever came out today hit three big three pointers we don't win the game without him so that's the type of leader TJ is that's the type of guy he is and uh, as you said, I I think there's no reality where we can bring McDermott back, which sucks because he's been amazing this year. But uh, yeah, I think he, TJ McConnell is probably going to be the number one priority in terms of that bench unit for the Pacers, as he should be. He deserves to get money. I mean, what did he have today? He had a damn near triple double yeah. uh, again. So And he's leading the league in steals off the bench. So some of the stuff he's doing is incredible. Um, and I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the league in general, not just leadership, just as he is his play. I wouldn't at all be surprised to see. I think he makes $3 million a year. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him get eight to 10 a year for the next three seasons from the Pacers after this season. I mean, I think he's, yeah. he's a lot of people will laugh at that contract when it gets signed, but he's that important to this locker room and the roster and, you know, the philosophy that the Pacers want to instill that positive together team, you know, a trustworthy player down the stretch. And Justin, I, We've kind of capped out with all the, the contracts that we've got, but McConnell's kind of got to be a priority this offseason, doesn't he? You too know I've been a massive fan since the day we signed him. I, I, I don't even think you could count the number of wins he's given us off his own bat. Like, yeah. he just his effort. And like you said, I, I think he's the perfect backup point guard for a championship team. I think if you put him on, you know, say like a – and Milwaukee or Lakers or just any championship team, say Golden State the last few years, to have him coming off the bench, putting the pressure on even the opposing starting point guard 
it's going to run them tired, like so tired. You can see players hate playing against him. I would. If, if, if you know, oh, I'm going to guard, you know, Sumner tonight, you'd be like, all right, I'll be all right. If you know, oh, TJ McConnell's guarding me, you're going to be like, oh, God, here we go. Like, you're going to have to run flat out. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. Is D'Angelo Russell said he came up to him one game and said, can you just please not tonight? I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> um, and that. Sorry, the respect he's got throughout the league. So, yeah, I really hope we re-sign him. He'll get offers elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, he's a perfect backup point guard. And, um, yeah, he's a killer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Pacers do this summer. Uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting vibe on our episodes at the moment, guys. Obviously, we, uh, we can't preach positivity anymore because there's not a lot of positivity to go around with the Pacers' future or their performance. But... Um, overall, we will continue to bring you at least one episode a week, if not more. Uh, shouts to Indie Monthly Magazine for featuring us in their latest article as well. Um, a uh, shock to three guys from the other side of the world to receive that uh, that screenshot of the page uh, in Indie, Indie Monthly. Thank you for Tony East for uh, pointing that out to us, friend of the show, and glad uh, his show got the same press as ours, so we're on the same level, Tony. If any, if any listeners have the magazine, send us a copy. We'd, uh, we'd love to have it. Yeah, just send us a DM and uh, and get us in the mail. I'll, uh, we'd love to, uh, to frame it and put it on the wall, guys, but uh, we will be back to you uh, next week. We've got the Bulls and then the Wolves and then the Magic, so it should be... Uh, Three winnable games, I'd say, uh, with one against a playoff rival in the Bulls. This has been the Pacers. We will catch you next time.